chapter 12. And yes, we're still in Genesis. And you may be thinking, at this pace, we're going to be in this series for the next eight years. Not true, okay? Uh, We've talked a lot about, this is our third message in this God's epic story, being the creator. And then, uh, we talked about, about sin. Um, and then last month, we says three, you will find on every, um, which after of the Bible and explains so much of the world around us and what's going on around us. And I know it seems like we're moving slow through God's epic story, but the first 11 chapters of Genesis cover everything from creation to the second millennium BC. And then ancient history. And in Genesis 12, it actually slows down quite a little bit. So the rest of Genesis doesn't cover as much time as the first 11 chapters covered. Because really the focus of Genesis is this promise that God's going to make to one man. And this promise he's going to make in Genesis 12 it's really going to affect the whole rest of the Bible. I hope I want to show you this tonight. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole rest of the Bible is what God makes, and God does it. That's kind of the story of Scripture. In spite of all the challenges, all the sin, all the problems, God fulfills this promise He makes to one man. And I want you to see tonight, I want you to learn in this, in this epic story of God, how God fulfills all his promises. He is chapter 12, beginning in verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you. In you, dishonors you, I will curse. Families of you, all the be blessed. John Stott says this about these verses. He says, it may truly be said without exaggeration that not only the rest of the Old Testament, but the whole of the New Testament are an outworking of these promises of God. The whole rest of the Bible, a bunch of unconnected stories. It is a sweeping story of God's dealing and his relationship with human beings. All of history, all of world history, from the moment God said this to Abram forward, has to do with this promise. It is not an exaggeration. Literally, it's on the front page of the newspaper today, having to deal with with this promise God made to this man. It is very relevant today. And it's relevant to us. Abraham is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. All five books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible mention him. Kings, Chronicles, Psalms talks about Abraham. The prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah all talk about Abraham. Uh, The New Testament talked about Abraham. You can go to John chapter 8 and this whole conversation Jesus had with the Pharisees about Father Abraham and who are Abraham's children. So really, if you want to put your Bibles together and you want to understand God's epic story, you need to know about Abraham. You need to know 
about this passage and what God does with it. And it does with this. And it all begins with this amazing promise. And I want to tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing special or unique about Abraham. This is the one I'm going to bless. And this is going to be the future of mankind, this one man, Abraham. And he makes these amazing promises in our text to Abraham. And the big one is in verse 3. When he says to Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All your descendants, everybody on earth, I'm making to you. I know a lot of you read through Genesis last month. The rest of Genesis, if you remember this, the rest of Genesis, it's all about Abraham's descendants. When God made this promise to Abraham, he chose Abraham and said, all the families on earth are going to be blessed because of you. That started a relay. did not end when Abraham passed the promise, a relay race. Uh, you know, Abraham held the promise and then I promised to Isaac and I passed it to Jacob. And then we end Genesis reading about Jacob's children, Jacob's sons, and trying to figure out which one of them is going to hold on to this promise that God gave to Abraham. A lot of Genesis is really God keeping his promise in spite of their sins and failures. And if we want to broaden it out a little, this promise to Abraham's descendants, becoming a nation, Israel, receiving God's law and obtaining the promised land. That's really the story of the Old Testament. If you want to summarize the Old Testament, God created everything. People fell into sin. God found this man, Abraham, gave him a promise that was handed to his descendants that formed a nation going into a promised land. They sinned against God and they begin to lose that nation. And they're waiting for a Messiah. That's kind of like the Old Testament in two sentences. through the Old Testament. They often talk about God. And the way they refer to God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how they designate. This is the God who made the promise to us. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Every time they say that, they're referring back to Genesis 12. Abraham, he may have wondered how do I know God is actually going to do this? This is a, a big promise God has made to me that all the families of the earth would be blessed, that there'd be a great nation, that I would be blessed, that all these families would be blessed. How can I know God is going to do this? Flip over in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis 15, it says that God made a covenant with it. God made a covenant. A covenant, it's kind of like a, an agreement. It, it's a contract. Not, not, not exactly a contract, but that's the best way to describe it probably. It's a contract spelling out the roles and responsibilities of both parties. For example, maybe you remember being in LA. You still play with Pokemon cards. I don't know. And maybe you remember making a deal on the playground during recess. You traded cards. And you made a deal together. You said, I'm going to give you this card, okay, this Pikachu card, which nobody wants, and you're going to give me this really nice card, you know, this, this really rare, expensive card. And you made an agreement. We're going to trade cards. Or, and you traded with is not happy with this arrangement anymore that you made on the playground. That's a contract. It's, it's a covenant you are making. Or another, as you get older, it may look something like this. Maybe you get your driver's license and dad hands you the keys to the car. And he says something like, we're going to let you 
drive our car. We're going to do our end of the agreement. And what you're going to do is you're going to drive the speed limit. And you're not going to look at your phone while you drive. And you're not going to have more than one person in the car with you. And if you do, then you've broken this agreement. And I will take those keys back from you. And you will never see them again the rest of your life. You know, maybe it's a, something like that, a contract. It's, a, it's an agreement made between two, this covenant. And God, it says in Genesis 15, where he says to Abraham, covenant with Abraham. Your country, Abraham, you and you go and follow me to where I send you to go and I'm going to make your name great and all the nations on the earth are going to be blessed by you. And Abraham's going, how do I know? I've left my family. I've followed you, God. How do I know you're going to uphold your end of this agreement? Look at Genesis. This is God speaking here in Genesis 15, verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Abraham said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How do I know you're going to give me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon? And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. So just picture this scene real quick. We're going to come back to in half and laid out. We have a ram cut into two halves. We have a goat in two, a bird on one side and the bird on the other side. What is going on here? Well, in the ancient world, one of the ways they would make a covenant between people is they would do this. They would cut these animals in half people would alleyway between them and, and both together and they walk through the alleyway. They would make say, let this, and they would walk through this alley, these animals, if I break this agreement between us, okay? So just think about that when dad gives you the keys. He's being pretty nice to you if he's not making you walk through animals, you know, saying this is who in the ancient world. Okay, look down in verse 17 in chapter 15, Genesis 15, 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the to your made a covenant with Abram, saying, From the river of your offspring, I give this river, the river you from Egypt to the Greek scroll, said that verse. Verse 17 is his favorite verse in the Bible. Anybody else have Genesis 15, 17 as your favorite verse in the Bible? I seriously doubt it. When I heard that, I thought, R.C., have you lost your mind? What are you talking about? And this is what he said about that verse. What's happening here? So they have these animals cut in half. No, that I've left my family. I've left my people. I'm following you. How do I know you're going to uphold your end of the bargain? And he, ha- he sets up this whole scene and Abraham falls asleep and this smoking fire pot and a, fa- a flaming torch pass between the animals. I walk with Abraham through the middle. So instead of doing that, God has Abraham fall asleep and the smoking 
fire pot and flaming torch representing God, which we're going to see later in Exodus. Remember how the people in Exodus were led by this fire by night and this cloud by day. It's the same picture. This is a picture of by himself. He doesn't make Abraham go through. God passes through the animals himself. And it's like God is saying to Abraham, this is what can happen to me. This is what shall be done to me if I don't fulfill my promise I have made to you. And God doesn't make Abraham go through. He just goes through on behalf of both of them. And this smoking full statement, this flaming you know, of God saying, I'm fire pot, is this powerful statement, I promise. I will do. Read through Genesis, what you learn is people sinned against God, didn't they? They all fell short. Abraham is going to sin. He's going to lie. Isaac will sin. Jacob will really sin. I mean, this guy's like a world-class sinner later in Genesis. Jacob's sons, they all sin. I mean, when you, when you have a scene where or sell him into slavery, that is some pretty serious sin going on later in Genesis. And as you read through Genesis, you're going, these are the people of God. These are the ones that God has made this promise to. I mean, it is confusing. I, even at Brenner, as we read through Genesis, somebody was like, man, there's a lot of wicked stuff in Genesis. All short, they sin. Even the ones who get the promise of God And yet through all of this, God doesn't wipe them out. Why? Because he made a covenant. He made a promise to Abraham and nothing was going to stop God from fulfilling his promise. As you read through the Old Testament, it's coming up like this promise of God is being threatened. Abraham is a hundred years old and he has no kid, and he's supposed to become this great nation, and you're supposed to be scratching your head saying, God, how are you going to do this? You know, for 25 years after God made the promise, he didn't have the son, and God's people have. He remains childless. And then you get to exit, and they're multiplying, but people find themselves in slavery, and he's making it worse. But, but the king, the Pharaoh, remember to Genesis 12 and say, But God, what about the promise you made to your people? And then his people are in the desert, lost and wandering for years. And again, you're just supposed to keep going. What about the promise, God? How are you going to do this? And here's what we see throughout the Bible and God's essence of the Bible. He keeps his promises. That's the point. God remains faithful even when we fail. Even when we fall short, even when we blow it, even when mankind over and over keeps sinning against God, God's promise remains true. He will be faithful to his. That tracks, uh, I thought this was pretty creative. Web's glad somebody did this. I wondered if anybody had done this. And then I remembered there's this thing called the internet. And I was like, I bet somebody has done this. So it's a, it's a website that tracks politicians and their campaign promises they make and how many promises they actually follow through on when they get into office. I'm really bad, I feel like, you know? And this website keeps track of these things. You know, I don't think this is just politicians in our government, by the way. I think this probably happens at your school as well. You know, someone's running for the student body president and, and they're going to tell you, you know, I promise new vending machines and no more sugar-free soda and no more school on Friday. They can't do any of those things, you know. This website, 
uh, I saw they're tracking Biden right now, and right now he's at 27% of fulfilling his promises that he made, which is actually pretty good according to this website and presidents who've come before. And I read that and I thought, you know, that's exactly what I expected. You know, we all, in Genesis, and the point in the Bible is God, when God makes a promise, it's 100%. It's always 100%. He always keeps it. He never falls short. And throughout the Bible, they keep looking back at Abraham and they keep saying, but God made a promise. That's their only hope. This is what it says, slavery in Egypt. They cry out. Their cry says in Exodus 2.24, up to God to rescue from slavery. And listen what God remembers. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. That's when they start saying, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. During the time of the kings, even though most of the kings in the Old Testament, we're going to get there uh, probably in two messages, but most short, they don't uphold their end of the bargain. They lead people astray, and yet God keeps bringing them back. And here is why. 2 Kings chapter 13. Now Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them. And them, why? Because turns covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them, nor has he cast them from his presence until now. You will see this over and over and over. They fall short. They're in trouble. They're crying out. They're oppressed with Abraham. And this keeps going and going. And as you read through the Old Testament, this God's epic story, you get to a point where you start to go, how is this going to bless all the families of the earth? Okay, there's this nation And Abraham's descendants have become this nation, Israel, at one part of the Old Testament that gets kind of into two and they have two different kings. That's why in Kings and Crowds and there's different time periods. Confusing when you're like, there's the king of the north and and it just keeps happening. The name periods and one's always dying, gets one's over by other countries like Assyria and Babylon. and, And you're going through and you just start going, how? How are all the families of the earth gonna be blessed? You remember this last year, I read the Wing Feather Saga. Have you guys, anybody read the Wing Feather Saga? Man, what, it's a great book series. I highly recommend it. And through the book, especially the first book, they're trying to figure out who are the Igabi children, right? Like who are the jewels of Aniara? Who are they? Who, who is this person as the story covered? And I'm not gonna give it, the truth starts uh, being, and as the books go on, give it away because I want you to read the books. But it's very more about these children. You learn more and more about the Bible. As it unfolds, you keep wondering, who? Who is this promise about? Who's going to fulfill this promise to Abraham? How are all the families of the earth going to be blessed? When will this happen? And then at the end of the, the Old Testament, we have about 400 years and lost. And I love how the New Testament starts in Matthew Chapter 1, verse 1. I love this. Great way to start the New Testament. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then what Matthew does, Abraham. And he's showing us 
how this one, Jesus Christ, is the one that God has sent to fulfill this promise he gave 2,000 years earlier to Abraham in Genesis 12. When Mary, when Mary finds out she's pregnant and she's going to have the Savior of the world, she's going to give birth and her praise to God, is she, is she praises God for keeping his promise to Abraham. I mean, this is all over the Bible. So what you have, kind of if you want to picture the story of the Bible, you have Genesis 12 and this promise God makes to bless all the families of the earth to this man Abraham. Fans out, starting with Abraham, it can Israel. And it funnels out into this great, and David and Solomon, and they're prosperous and they're doing a nation, they're doing great. And then the nation goes into exile. And you learn it's really not just about this nation. It's about all the families of the earth. And they start going in, going in, and they're going down, and and they're going into exile, and they lose the land, and the temple is destroyed. And it all goes down to one man, Jesus Christ. Is It spreads out again. Except this time, it doesn't lead like it did in the Old Testament to Israel. It spreads out to all the families of the earth. This is what Galatians chapter 3 says. Listen, this, we're in the New Testament now. So we kind of going through the Old Testament in this epic story. We're in the New Testament now. Galatians 3, who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. This is what we talked about Sunday morning in the book of Acts. The Gentiles are coming in. All the families of the earth are being blessed. God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Genesis 12 that we started with. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So it spreads out to all nations, all people through Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile. Everybody receives the blessing through Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham. And I feel like we should, Abraham, stand up together and sing together. <laughs> Head many sons, we're not gonna do We see in Galatians. But that's scripture. And actually whole testaments, I mean whole, whole chapters of the New Testament that are really impossible to understand if you don't understand Abraham. So important to God's epic story to know, okay, God made this promise, Genesis chapter 12. The whole Old Testament is God fulfilling that promise. And when, when it seems to a son of Abraham who's gonna come and fulfill all these promises and it's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's two main things we're gonna finish with tonight, just two applications for you that we learn from the story of Abraham beginning in Genesis 12. Okay, the first application point. God always is promises. I mean, just think about the story here. Think about the scale of this story. Think about how many people and nations and kings, how many people fall short and sin against God. I mean, thousands of years of history and ups and downs. All this is happening and through it, Abraham and his descendants and his people. And we receive that promise today because God keeps his promise. In the book of Hebrews, in the context of this promise made to Abraham, the author writes this in Hebrews 6:18. So that by two unchangeable things, 
in which it is we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So we are to learn from Abraham. We're to learn that God cannot lie and he will fulfill his promise. Everyone else may let us down, but God will never let us. That truth, okay, take that, that reality. God will always be true to his promise and think about promises he has made to you, to us. He promises to forgive our sins through Jesus. If we confess them, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, always just to forgive us. God, learn from your sins, keeps his promises. That means when you will forgive you because of Jesus, God promises. So if you wrestle with, and I don't feel forgiven. I don't think God could forgive me of this. I don't think God will forgive me anymore. Listen, God made a promise to you and he always keeps his promises. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13, five, quoting Joshua. So if you never leave you, he never lies. He will be with you. God promises to strengthen you, Isaiah says, that he will give you strength. He will help you. He will sustain you. So when you feel weak, when you feel inadequate, like you feel like you can't continue following him, he, he makes this promise to you. I'm gonna promises to lead us as our good shepherd. Jesus says this. I'm the good shepherd and the, and, and the sheep know my voice. Jesus promises to lead you. He always keeps his promises. He promises to give us good things. He promises that all things will work for our ultimate good. All things will work for our ultimate good and God's glory, he says. So when you struggle, when you suffer, when hardship comes your way, when you lose a friend or a family member, when you're not clear on what's happening, God gives us this promise. I'm gonna make this work for your good. And you really have to hold on to that promise. That God always keeps his promise. God's epic story from Abraham. We learn that from that's one application point, story of the Bible. He always keeps the promise point is just to have faith in God. To have faith in God. Hebrews eleven eight again, uh, talking about Abraham. Called out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Galatians, Romans, uh, there's so many other scriptures I could have gone to talk about Abraham's faith. Abraham believed God's promise. Even when I'm going to do this for you, and Abraham believed. Even when he didn't have a child. Even when for years and years, God, you promised, and, and by the child. And he kept going back, follow the Lord. By faith. When God said to take Isaac up and, and sacrifice him, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. We are to learn from Abraham and have faith as well. And the reason this is so important to learn this is you will, well, I'm not saying you will probably wrestle with doubt. Okay, there, there's just moments we question God. We question if these things can all be true that God said. And as a teenager, if it hasn't happened already, there is a day coming when you will have to 
question your physician happening. Whereas a child, your parent, teenage instructing you and they're telling you this is what God says and this is what we believe and this is what we do. And then there's a transition moment that happens where you realize my, my faith has to be my own. I can't live on my parents' faith. I have to believe. I have to trust God personally. I have to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And teenagers wrestle with doubt through that. That's not always a bad thing. It's good to say, do I believe? Do I have faith in God? Abraham is an example to us. One of the things before I became a Christian that served me, one of the things the Lord used to lead me to Christ is I was in my dorm uh, in Reese Hall, Campus Crusade for Christ, came uh, by my room and they were trying Christ and they knocked on my door and I invited me. And one of the questions they asked to share the gospel, if you died today, how sure are you that you would go to heaven? And I told them, I'm 70%, which is just like, I, I, I think I just wanted a passing grade. I'm like, I'm 70%, not one more, not one below. I'm 70%. And I remember the guy asking me, are you okay with that? Shouldn't, and I don't know what they said after that. I think they shared the gospel with me. I don't remember. I didn't become a Christian that day. But what happened was it put this doubt in my mind. Am I really a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Have I? You know, what, what, what does that even mean? I didn't understand the gospel at that point, And it was good. It led me to go to a Bible study where someone shared. Those can lead to good answers that build your faith. And so one of the examples of Abraham is when we study him and we learn God always keeps his promises. When God says something, it will come to pass. The goal of that is it builds our faith. When we have questions, really pay for all my sins? Did he pay for that sin? Did he really die for that sin? We look at God's word. We look at this epic story. We look at Abraham and it builds our faith. It just builds our faith. God will keep his promise over, over lifetimes, over centuries, over generations, over the whole story of man's promises. God always keeps build our faith. And hopefully that should has been faithful. He, over thousands of years, lie. Jesus is the promised one. He is the son of Abraham. He is the one God promise to send to bless the nations and bring everybody who trusts in him into God's presence. And I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I love Revelation 21, how the story ends in God's earth. And when you study Revelation 21, what you learn is what the new heavens and the new earth are, are the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. He promised the people a place he promised that he would be their God and they would be his people. And what we find in Revelation 21 is everyone who's trusted in Jesus Christ to be with their God and to be God's people for all eternity. God fulfills all of his promises. Let's pray and then we're gonna have a little time for discussion tonight. Well, Father, I thank you for the promises you give us in your word. And I just pray for these teens tonight. I pray for those who, I pray your word would encourage them tonight to trust you, that you will always fulfill your promises, that you're a good God, that you are true to your word, 
You never lie. You never deceive us. You never trick us. You never try to manipulate us, God. You are true to your word, and you are good. These teens' faith. Conversation. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Here are some discussion questions for us tonight. So we've got, we've got 10 minutes to do some discussion time. Uh, number one, did you ever realize how central Abraham was to the story of the Bible? Why do you think Abraham is mentioned? Number two, do you ever wrestle with doubt? What are some things you question or are tempted to doubt about? And then number three, what can the story of God's promises to Abraham teach us about God and his faithfulness? What promises of God do you need to have faith to help when you are tempted to doubt? So we'll have some music on. Uh, one thing, and, it's, and then after that, I'll come back up. To, uh, you can jump in. If your parents are not, or we have members of our A team back here, they'll be in with the family around you, lead you through these questions as well.